Hello, and welcome to Stuff Mom I Forgot to Tell You. I'm Monica Francois Marcel, a Gen X founder, entrepreneur, and baseball mom based in Chicago. And I believe that if we're very lucky and work very hard, life will be long and it will be messy. So to help us with the mess and provide tips for longevity and joy in what lies ahead, each episode, I'm borrowing either the mother of a friend or a trusted mentor that I greatly admire. This is a diverse group of women who've been there and done that, and you are going to love their stories. My own mom isn't here anymore, so the stuff these women share is precious to me, and their cross-generational pearls of wisdom are just what we all need. I'm so excited for you to join us, so let's jump in. Well, hello, and today I am so excited. My whole family is excited about the fact that I get to spend time with one of my just top favorite people in the world, Dr. Padma Rangaswamy. Hello there. Hi, Monica. (laughs) Oh, Padma, thank you for doing this. And so, you know, this project of ours, Stuff Mom, I forgot to tell you, in some ways, Padma has already played this role, you know, in my life, whether she knew it or not for a long time. She has just, you know, played this role of someone who just by her very presence in my life has given me insight and made me think about things and, and helped me grow. And so today we're going to more formally learn from her and ask her some questions and have her kind of share a little bit more about how her life unfolded and also ask her some questions about, you know, ideas and advice she gives her own daughters that she's generous enough to give to me, (laughs) to anyone listening. And so Padma, my first question is kind of an easy one, but a deep one, right? Which Mm -hmm. is I'm going to have you go back to your early years, right? To when you were um, just starting out, when you were a little girl yourself, and think a little bit about your story. What do you think that your parents wanted for you Padma. Talk to us a little bit about what your life was like growing up and what were some of the ideas or options or expectations people had for you when you were a little girl? Yeah. Um, first of all, thank you, Monica, for, uh, you know, those very kind words of introduction. <laughs> and, uh, you know, much as you talk about uh, what I might have taught you, uh, you must know that you taught me a great deal as well. So, thank you. Uh, you know, you've been more than a daughter to me, I would say, in oh, many ways. Thank you. So thank you for this opportunity. And uh, growing up, uh, I grew up in a fairly conservative family. I didn't realize it uh, at that time while I was still young, but I knew my parents were strict because compared to many of the other families around us, we realized that our parents demanded more of us, expected more of us. And mm-hmm. uh, we knew that as South Indians growing up in North India, we had values that were far more conservative than those of the society around us. So uh, the expectations were that we would live up to those conservative values, that we would uh, you know, pay attention to our education, study hard, and make sure we had the best grades we could possibly get. That was huge in our family. And mm-hmm. um, also, as a girl, I knew that I was, the expectations from me were different from those uh, that my parents had of my brother. We were three girls ah. and one son. And uh, I never thought of it as a, 
as discrimination or a bad thing. I just thought, well, that's the way it is, you know. Um, women are expected to be more soft-spoken, demure, you know, put other people's needs above their own, whereas the boy was expected to be more, you know, assertive and try to get on in a difficult world. Ours was to grow up to be protected and mm. at the same time be protective of, you know, those around us. So I got those values very early on when growing up. But my mother was, uh, she was well-educated for her time. You know, she had, uh, she went to St. Joseph's Convent in uh, in Mumbai and um, was very uh, well-spoken, uh, you know, fluent in English. But she had a big regret that she, uh, her education was stopped at the age of 15. And uh, she was kind of like, it's, the family told her, it's now time for you to get married. But she didn't get married until she was nearly 19. And she felt those years were uh, not put to the best use. And she kept saying, you know, I want to make sure that you, my daughters, don't suffer from that kind of attitude. And you do go on to uh, study as as much as you want. So I did go back to get my <laughs> master's as soon as my daughter was about three years old and uh, then again you know just going back to the academics I went back to school after my second daughter was uh, in uh, high school or college I think that's when I went back so I see my academic journey as a lifelong uh, you know mm -hmm. learning experience and it's because I think it's because my mom kind of instilled that in me that, you know, interest learning as long as you want to. And you can seek formal education no matter how old you are. So you got your PhD then after your second daughter left high school? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In sure fact, uh, yeah. My, actually, at one point, my husband was supporting three women in his life in college. My older daughter. <laughs> Was, Lucky him. Yeah, Lucky him. Fine. The feminist, if ever there was one, right? I, know. I, I think it kind of, he had no choice. <laughs> so, he had no choice. So. Oh, fantastic. So when you look back, mm -hmm. I mean, clearly coming to the United States with that sense of adventure and um, getting those degrees, you know, is, is pretty impressive. And obviously your family is, is um, doing well, as, as I hear. But in addition to your family and those things I mentioned, what else, Padma, are you proud of that you've been able to accomplish? Yeah, I think uh, whatever I did, I put my family first. I, I looking back on what I did when in my life, I realized that, you know, it, when the children were little, I was always there for them because that was the traditional role I had been taught. It is the mother who is going to be ultimately, you know, the buck stops with her when it comes to her children's education. And then having two daughters, I was very anxious to make sure that I was there to support them. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think, after I went back to school that I decided to put my own uh, needs and my own desires more to the forefront. So going back to college okay. was something, it was I was not doing it for anyone else or you know for mm -hmm. any ulterior motive I just wanted to learn to understand who I was 
why a person like me would leave a homeland that she loved and migrate to a faraway country, what migration meant. And uh, once I reached my 50s and 60s, I wanted to understand uh, the different cultural context in which I grew up and how to accept America as my home. I could not do that, Mm -hmm. could not have done that without studying American history and learning to value the new uh, culture. Because, you know, when you uh, leave your own culture and come away, there is a tension and you don't want to give up the old and you feel that the new is is too different. You don't want to adopt it. But when you realize that uh, giving up one, uh, that moving from one to the other doesn't mean giving up the old. You can, you can hang on to both. Mm-hmm. That was my big educational journey, I think, after I had finished my homemaking <laughs> responsibilities. And so talk about some of the organizations that have been a part of that journey, right? So in addition to the writing and the publications, I know that um, you, know, you and I had a chance to work together, which I'm forever grateful for. But I also know that you're active um, some cases just as a volunteer, some cases maybe you're just a member, some cases I think you're in a board. But talk about some of the um, the more organized spaces where you have spent your time in the last 20 years, 25 years. Yes. So uh, I helped out again, you know, putting family first. My, when my granddaughter was born, my daughter needed help. So I, you know, helped her raise uh, her kids. And then I um, I felt that what I had learned, it was somehow important to codify that learning. And it so happened that I met a group of like-minded women who also were questioning their own role as immigrants. And together, we uh, founded, uh, co-founded the National Indo-American Museum. You know, the idea of a museum, which is, you know, a dusty place where you keep uh, ancient objects. <laughs> Fortunately, America was coming out of that uh, uh, that mold, and I worked for a stint at the Chicago History Museum, where uh, the museum itself was undergoing a drastic change. It used to be called the Chicago Historical Society, and it was becoming right. becoming so exclusive that it was losing touch with the world around it. And I realized that a museum can be a place of learning a place where mm-hmm. you preserve your heritage. And nobody in the Indian community was thinking about it because they were all busy just, you know, working and making their way up as immigrants. So co-founding the National Indo-American Museum was and has been a lifelong project. Uh, today it's about 12 years old. And uh, I think uh, having been on the board for nine years, I'm now feeling very comfortable, uh, you know, not being at the helm and kind of taking a back seat and seeing new generations of uh, Indian Americans and even other people not of Indian heritage uh, understanding and uh, appreciating uh, the contribution of Indian Americans to the United States. And I think that's so crucial for our children and grandchildren to know where their roots are, And uh, there is a saying that, uh, you know, if you don't have strong roots, you can't take wings. And uh, that, I feel, is what I can do best. I'm I'm at that time in 
in history and in my own life where I think that is the biggest contribution I can make. Uh, and that's what I'm most engaged in right now. Now, I think you and I are, are similar in one way uh, to the extent that we both married men that probably didn't know what they were getting into, but probably did <laughs> the same way, right? Um, I don't think either one of us, you know, have partners that would want to ever stand in our way. And I think we both have partners that are supportive. I know that it's not the case for a lot of people, right? Is it part of what they have to navigate is um, a partner that has certain expectations for them, you know, um, and, and what they want them to do. But I think that, you know, luckily we were both partnered with people that uh, saw that we have a lot of energy and, and a lot of passion for things and that, um, we're happiest and they're happiest, you know, when we get to do all of that. Is that an accurate assessment, would you say? I, yes. And in some ways, I think it's it's a little more complicated because okay. a partner can be supportive even if they are, even if they have certain expectations because they yep. have their limitations as well, right? So if you have uh -huh. a partner, I think you have to accept them in their entirety and uh, yep. uh, work your way through maybe educating your partner as well and uh, demonstrate that, you know, it is important for them to support you because they can grow in the process themselves. You yes. know, you have yes. to have a partner yes. that, yeah. that is able to see that uh, or yes. at least, you know, uh, give up and compromise to some extent. Uh, that yes. I think is is something that is you're fortunate. Again, so much in life is about happenstance and you know what we call luck. So, Padma, I want to go a little bit deeper on something you just reminded me of. And I remember this even when when we first met. You know, I was kind of early in my marriage, and there are two things that I remember that you role modeled for me. That had nothing to do with career, but just have to do with like being a good partner. And I, you probably don't remember this story either, but I remember your your husband had stepped on your foot, right? And uh, he didn't say he was sorry. And you looked at him and was like, you hurt me. Why didn't you say you're sorry? You know, and he said something to you to the effect of, well, you and I are one, you know, when I step on your foot, like, it would be like saying sorry to myself because like, I, I know it hurt you, but you know, we're the same. Like, why would I it, like um, call it out? Yeah. Because of course you know that I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. And that stuck with me in terms of like the unit, right. And the partnership and the depth of it and the nuance. Do you remember that yes, story? I do because, you know, very often my daughters who uh, were you know, they're born and brought up for the most part here. They did spend a few formative years in India. But here too, they see a lot in the relationship between my husband and myself that they feel, you know, uh, as an independent woman, you need to be more, you know, you need to uh, exhibit your individuality more and, uh -huh. and assert that in order to just, get what you want but right. I feel there are ways to get what you want without being unnecessarily confrontational because sometimes confrontation yes. yeah. is not uh, is not productive that doesn't mean right. that uh, you completely suppress yourself it's how you of course how you 
you know, the self also has to be nurtured. It has to be, right. you have to prevent, right. you have to protect it from too much earth. Yeah. And at the same yeah. time, keep it alive, keep that flame alive so yeah. that when the time comes to be able to exert it. And I feel that, you know, like I was able in many ways to kind of contradict, I don't know if contradict or defy or go against is the right word, but I know it was not the easy path to take. For instance, when right. we had lived in India for 10 years and uh, my daughter was ready to come back to the U.S., and uh, we as a family got together and the uh, question was, should she be allowed to go on her own because she was 18 and uh, perfectly capable of taking care of herself? We had a very successful life in India. The idea was we should, I, I should stay on with my younger daughter and my husband in India. And the family kind of frowned upon the thought of, oh, you guys are going to go back to America? Is that an option? And in my mind, I had, no difficulty telling the family and my husband who really had a very flourishing career in India and was kind of a little taken aback that he would have to give it up for us to return to the U.S. and start our uh, lives, you know, from scratch, as it were. Ten years in India we spent. And then when right. we came back, I, I just said, no, I'm going back because I want my daughters to share a world together. You know, they, they right. need to grow right. up understanding each other. And it would be too much if I let one child go away and the younger one live a very different life right. from her own. And, and there was, you know, I think there is something, uh, and I'm grateful for this. My father taught me very early on one of the tenets of the Bhagavad Gita, which is, when you are in doubt as to what kind of decision to make in life, look to see what your duty might be and who, towards whom do you owe a duty. And defining duty is very difficult. You know, what point when my husband wanted to go back to India, I felt that my children were very young. I could raise them in India. But I felt that my duty was to be supportive of my husband. He had a great vision. He wanted to do great things for India. So it was easy for me to pack my bags and just, you know, what others would have been, would have judged as, oh, you're just following him. But I didn't see myself right. as doing that. I felt like this is what I got to do now. And then when right. the time came for my daughter to come back and my husband wanted to stay in India, I said, you know what? I think my duty is towards my children at this point because they're not yet not yet ready to to let them be without parental guidance and without hesitation I said we're going back and you know he came so right. that sense of uh, what is your duty and how to pursue it without regard to consequences that's what the Bhagavad Gita teaches you it says don't worry about you know, where the chips may fall. But if you believe that right. it's your right. duty to something, you just do it. Yeah. And Another one of my friends talks a lot about her purpose, mm -hmm. right? And uh, as you're talking about that, what resonates for me is one of the things that my parents, you know, taught me really clearly was um, that when, when I was little, they would ask me things, little, little, little heavy questions like, um, so what are you going to do to make the world a better place? Mm -hmm. Right. Or... 
I would have an idea just to be contrary and like, I'm not going to go to college. And my dad would be like, okay, fine. Then what are your plans and how are you going to make a difference? Right. So without using that word duty, right. There was always that um, expectation Mm -hmm. that, and I'd say incite excitement in a way, right. That I knew that I was capable of many things. And so it was up to me to figure out and be honest and true to myself about what those things are. And I think, um, just thinking about my, you got me thinking a lot about my husband right now too. Uh, he doesn't, you know, get all the credit that I think he deserves at times. But one of the things that he brings out in me is he never, not only does he not stand in my way, but he knows that part of our partnership is built upon the idea of bringing out, you know, the best in one another and helping each other to figure out who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do, mm-hmm. you know, and you could call that duty, you could call it purpose, you could call it authenticity. Um, it, and it hasn't been easy for him. You know, at times he's, he too has had to go. I remember there was one time um, he was not working. Our son was just born and he was, you know, staying home with our son, you know, full time. And, um, you know, he's a Mexican background. That's, you know, it goes against a lot of people's expectations mm-hmm. of a, um, of a man, you know, from Mexico. But my career was such that I was able to do a lot of things and I was able to have a lot of difference and impact. And he took pride in that. But Padma, there's, I'm going to give you a quick story. I remember the day, and I had been scheduling my life really well. My son, every uh, doctor's visit, I would go, you know, with him to the doctor when he was very young. And I think it was about his third birthday, and he was going for his three-year-old checkup. And I told my husband, okay, well, you know, this one I can't go to. You know, you need to go. And uh, he looked at me, and he was like, well, wait a minute, you know. Mm-hmm. He said, what kind of a mother doesn't go to her son's three-year-old checkup Mm -hmm. right and I looked at him and he as soon as he said it (laughs) he was in trouble and he also knew what was interesting is he also knew he didn't believe that Mm -hmm. right because he knew that he was spouting out what he was supposed to say if that made sense right and uh and I said to him I just you can imagine my rage right and I was like the kind of mother that's been working 60 hours a week with a full-time stay-at-home husband right now who has an arrangement who's got this and traveling and blah 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 are you kidding me and and I remember his eyes and he was like okay you're right you're right you know and he, and he fell back into it but there were a lot of those um to your point like I don't want to call them conflicts you know but just moments of honesty right where both of us were falling into who we are and kind of recalibrating, you know, what our paths are, whether they're traditional or not, and uh, figuring out, you know, where we want to go next, right? So you're making me think about all those things. And um, I think my mom did that in her own way, too, with my dad. You know, my dad was a workaholic, and he, you know, traveled everywhere. And uh, my mom made it all possible in a lot of ways. And they had a tremendous partnership. They really did. And so they modeled that. So I'm thinking that your girls... I'm, I'm sure are benefiting tremendously from being able to see their mom, you know, stand in her truth, right? You know, your duty, yeah. as you call it. I think the word duty sounds, uh, I don't know, somewhat prosaic and. Uh, I don't well, know. it was the word of the time. It was the word that your dad exactly. would have used. Right? And it, it is the sense. word that, like I'm saying, it, it's translated. I'm not. Uh, I, I'm yeah. not, you know, religious in a very uh, traditional sense. I don't right. keep going to the temple or, you know, uh, follow a certain you know, practices uh, very diligently, but I I believe I have, I have faith in something and I don't know why. And I think that's the meaning of faith, right? You, you, there is no, there's no rationale for it. You just believe. exactly. And you, when you do that and you feel like, 
you know, you, you survived. You you made decisions. Right. Maybe right. they were not perfect, but the time right. you did it, you did it with integrity and honesty because you believed it was the right thing to do. And so you're able to live with the consequences, whatever they might be. So with your girls today, you know, this is for, for me and for them, right? So what are some of the things that like, um, do you have any mottos or do you have any sayings or do you have any like truths or prayers or just anything that you, mantras that you might hold on to? Like your dad gave you one, which is great, <laughs> right? Um, you know, but, but what others like that do you have access to? Yeah, I think for me, uh, this realization that you can be the best version of yourself, even while you are going through life, accommodating others and their needs, right. you know, that this idea of, you know, you need to put yourself first is, I think, a, a wrong way to put it. You know, there are times when you need to take care of yourself. Like I said, don't, don't allow of the course. inner self to be so deeply wounded or so, uh, so weakened that it cannot rise up and, you know, realize its best self at some point. Right. And you can do that while still, you know, being kind, being, uh, you know, like I said, accommodating, adjusting, compromising again is a, is a word that is, uh, has some kind of moral overtones I don't like. But uh, what I mean is to, to be a true partner right? To know where yeah, to give and right. where to take with your children also, you know, it, right. also relationships are very important. It's true with friends too. You know, sometimes yes. you, you know, you push back like you did when, you know, your son had to be taken <laughs> to the doctor and, you know, there is a, a part of you that rises up and says, look, this is who I am and please recognize that this is who I am, but I prepare to wait for the time when you are ready to to give more because uh, there will always be give and take uh, in relationships. You know, my mom and uh, both my mother and my mother-in-law were strong in their own way. And they used to tell right. me beautiful stories, but I just wish I had done some of what you're doing, which is, you know, talk to them about what motivated them and when and how. And even if I look back on their lives, I think I will find some answers just by digging into my own, uh, you know, the, the stories that they shared with me. Yeah. Well, that's the goal, yeah. right? And you're giving us some really beautiful ones here. So with that, we're, we're going to start wrapping up in a couple minutes, but I want to give you a chance to think, has this conversation got you thinking about anything that you haven't said to your own daughters that maybe is some advice you should give them? Or, and if, well, we'll start with that. And anything that you have left unsaid so far that you want, or maybe you want to reinforce Right. And I don't know whether I might have said it to them or not, but um, I think the drive and energy of youth, they should absolutely capitalize on because these are, you know, their productive years. You know, my younger daughter has just turned, she's 42. My older girl, Priya, this is her 50th year. And I think they have been through, you know, the same kind of turbulent uh, times that all of us, I think, uh, uh, right. face at one point or another. But as they're growing older, they are, I can see them mellowing, but also exploring different avenues of, for themselves. I know my younger mm -hmm. daughter, Anjali, is 
terrific engineer. She's uh, very successful in her job as chief engineer at Raytheon, but there is a part of her where she wants to produce music, write songs, and, ah. you know, she's already, you know, she takes time out. I keep telling you, you know, take time out for yourself when you can. But, you know, all the other parts you don't have to ignore, you know, being a mother, being a wife, and, you know, enjoying time with your colleagues, that that kind of balancing act, it should come naturally. You should be able to tell when to do what. And I think a time will come when they will realize parts of themselves that have not fully blossomed yet because aging is not a bad thing. I think, you know, right. America's terror of old age and, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, parents can be uh, set aside or, you know, let's think of an old age home for them because we have to worry about right. their, uh, their right. physical and mental well-being. I think parents can and I hope my my daughters will age gracefully in that sense because that's what lies ahead of them. And they, I feel confident that they will find those careers because uh, the way they've lived their lives so far, I think they have they have done uh, what is uh, what is necessary. Amazing. Well, any other advice for me? So, just as as kind of a final thought, um, or anything that you haven't said, because I, you know, I'm turning. Gosh, I'll be 54, so I'm a few years older than Priya. I remember that, and um, I'm just trying to think about you know making plans for my next couple decades. So, any other tips or advice for me? Well, I think you what you are doing now is awesome. It is, it is really what you, should, you what you could should be doing. And I think staying in touch with like-minded people, I mean, mm-hmm. not ignoring those who are different from you, but if you sure. want uh, allies and people to connect with, so you, because collectivism and collectivity is a good thing. I think together yes. we can do more Agree. than we do in isolation. So Exploring more of your inner self, but not losing touch with, you know, with your friends and uh, making making new ones as you go along and developing a collegium, you know, is important. I keep telling my daughter, if music is that important to you, seek out other musicians, you know, you know right. work with them, collaborate with them because there is right. joy and it results in a totally different kind of synergy and productivity uh, that you don't get when you are uh, trying to do things all by yourself. I've heard it said that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, right? And that, A, stresses me out a little bit, but also gives me hope because it makes me think like, okay, you know, so I I have a, a say in this, right, in terms of who I learn from and, and um, who I get inspired by. And so one of the reasons I'm doing this project is because I want to be surrounded by some pretty amazing people and get some time in with um, people that really inspire me. And as always, uh, Dr. Padma Rangaswamy, you have done that today. I am so forever grateful for our friendship. And um, in 20 more years, I'm going to hit you up and find out what you did in your 70s, 80s, and 90s to be so amazing. So that I can, uh, you know, continue to learn from you on, on stories of longevity. So thank you so much for this conversation. You, Monica. And I expect the same of you, that in your 50s, 60s, and 70s, you would have reached new heights and ascended new peaks. So 
Look forward to I'm that. Excited. Good luck to you. <laughs>